0: With demand expected to come back, but the question remains, does this mean the economy is
1: back on track? Companies now after experimenting with offshore in places like India, Philippines and Poland want to bring those jobs back. We invest in the U.S. We're the biggest
2: exporter in the country. In the cycle and right now, we're creating jobs.
3: From Radio America, it's Neil Asbury's Made in America, the show that explores American industry large and small and promotes American-made products everywhere. Put Neil Asbury's Made in America to work for you. A very
0: big welcome to you today. I'm your host, Neil Asbury, together with co-host Dr. Rich Rothman. Hey, Rich, I believe that Attorney General Sessions gave one heck of a testimony. I mean, he did he did so well, you know, and and I got to tell you, and others have been saying this, that other Republicans should follow his lead, a man of such dignity and integrity and being calm under fire. I mean, it was just it was just amazing to watch him.
1: Well, it it was exactly the way the Republicans should be reacting. Instead of, you know, uh, sitting back and and trying to take this high road and be quiet about it, which I don't understand at all, um, Mr. Sessions went out there and basically said, I am insulted by the the concept that you think that after 20 years in this esteemed body that I would turn on my country, basically, that I would actually align myself with an enemy of the country is, is, is apparent to everything that I believe in. And well, that's a very important statement.
0: Well, let's bring on our, uh, our, our first guest here. We're very pleased to have on Frank Buckley, who's a professor at George Mason University. And he's just written a piece published in Fox News Opinion, Sessions Testimony, The Vindication of an Honest Man. Frank, welcome to Made in America.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: So Frank, I mean, this is again very intimidating. You got the the guy who's uh, testifying. You got you know these uh, senators all elevated around them, and then you got people like Kamala Harris and oh these other God. Democrat senators. You know, coming out there, you know, with this sly look on their face, like mm-hmm. looking for that viral moment, that gotcha moment that's going to take their political careers. and and, and elevate them uh, all the way to the White House. I mean, this was just a rehearsal, you know, for a bigger political career at the expense of our country. What say you?
2: Well, you're exactly right. I mean, uh, I'd invite your listeners who maybe didn't see it on TV to get on YouTube and catch uh, just any kind of a snippet of it. And then what you'll see is one of the most decent people you could could ever find in politics, uh, Jeff Sessions, who is... A remarkable person, and uh, sorry for the background noise.
1: And uh, I'm moving away. It must be from Kamala Harris. I'm, I'm sure she planted that. <laughs> she that's that. where that came from. There's no question. <laughs> I understood. There you go. Well, anyway,
2: listen. uh You know, Jeff is just one of the most wonderful people going. And sometimes you have to see a person in action to know what he's like. To know, and and and, and that's what the testimony was. And as for the, the Democratic senators who were interrupting them, and not all, all of them were like that. But, but you know, I, when, when you have what to me looks like a young whippersnapper and in, in, in Mark Warner interrupting and badgering Jeff Sessions, you kind of figure his mother probably would have wanted to wash his mouth out. You know, how was he raised? That's sort of the question. You've got to treat people with a certain modicum of respect and a certain amount of civility. And we saw, I'm in Alexandria, Virginia, we saw what the absence of civility can do in that attack on Republican congressmen. I mean, we're in a breeding ground of hatred here in Washington, just a, a city of incivility and inhumanity, and, and uh, we saw the results, and I think it's, it's time for a little more respect.
1: Well, I, I think that's very, very correct. And, and, and I have to tell you, if we, we being on, on the moderate to the right, if you want to be on the right... If we have ever treated someone from the Obama administration at that level, at that level, we would be be just ripped apart for weeks. It would be horrible. The vitriol that would come down on us. Just horrible. You know, I think what it was
2: is I don't think some of those people recognize civility and kind of the old world courtliness of a southern senator when they see it. I mean, you know, if if maybe if maybe you got to be a little bit older to see it, but but these were, these are the kinds of people you used to see more in America, fifty years ago, and Frank, uh, it it was refreshing to see it.
0: Frank, you know, we here at Made in America, I mean, we're all about getting Americans back to work, bringing our jobs back, our manufacturing back, getting our entrepreneurial community enthused and and excited again to invest in their dreams. And unfortunately, you know, we're being pulled into these sort of political stories uh, because they are taking the air out of all of this reform agenda that would really do so much to, to lead our country to a whole new level of prosperity. Like we've never seen in our history before if we just did some of these things that President Trump campaigned on. So are we any closer to putting this all behind us since the uh, a testimony of, um, of Attorney General Sessions, or are we just seeing the beginning of this?
2: Well, I think, I think things are moving in, in very much the right direction. I mean, the, the Democratic strategy is to deny Trump anything like a victory anywhere, which is to say to deny America anything like a victory with respect to things like jobs. But uh, you know the ship keeps plowing ahead uh, in spite of all of that, and 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 I think the good stuff is going to happen, and the jobs are going to come back. He he said he was going to be America's jobs president, and 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 that's where he will be. And you know, if if you want anything like a kind of you know, moral rearmament in the country, you're not going to find it from congressional legislation, but you will find it when people get their jobs back. That's the basis for morality. And and that's why an American jobs president is just what we need.
0: Rich, you know, it looks to me that, you know, that the whole Democrat strategy, other than grandstanding and rehearsing for of bigger political offices to come, like we saw in this uh, testimony of uh, of Jeff Sessions. Um, uh, the other thing is, Rich, they're just trying to run the clock out. I mean, it, but this clock is still going on for another three and a half years. But yet, th- th- it, every day they wake up, it is: can we delay the Trump agenda one more day, one more day, one more day?
1: Yeah. Well, that, that, talk that, about that, obstructionists. That's the real obstructionist
0: that's going on in this country.
1: Yeah, you know, that's exactly right. And it, we we, we We have so much trouble right now trying to get the truth out, trying to understand what's really going on out there that, you know, people don't understand the truth of what's happening. For example, you know, so many good things have happened that no one talks about oil in the Dakota area, Keystone Pipeline, a Supreme Court judge, illegal attempts at border, you know, crossing down 70 percent, you know, whole taxpayer funding for abortion in foreign countries and so forth. Billions invested in U.S. overseas coming back here if we can do something with taxes. Jobs saved. U.S. corporations investing in domestic manufacturing. Neil, that's so important for you. Putting our miners back to business. We have the first mine open up in in years in Pennsylvania. What a big turnaround. Things are happening, but we don't get a chance (laughs) to talk about that because we have to to absolutely defend excellent people like Jeff Sessions and and the integrity of, of, of what they've done for their entire career. Amazing.
2: You know, when you mentioned about mind-smoking, I bet that just breaks Hillary's heart.
0: Yeah, well, she was the one who was going to put them all out of business until she That's kind of right, reframed that miners. to say, we're going to put that you out of business, but but don't worry, we're going to train you, we're going to train you, we're going to train you. Well, she's never been to Appalachia before, you know, what are they going to yeah. train them to do? There are no factories in Appalachia. You know, the topography, you know, is just not right for it, you know, it's just, you know, they just don't get it, Frank, they don't get it. I know, well,
2: they're the party of uh, the elites and, uh, you know, the coastal areas and, For the hearthland, they have neither knowledge nor empathy nor pity.
1: Well, it's the flyover states, and I don't really care about that because you know we yep. were told that we're not worthy of uh, of being uh, involved in, in the political game.
0: But but but, but uh, uh, Frank, wasn't this uh, this face and this smirk and this action of Kamala Harris? And I keep going back to her no, she because it was well. such a it was such an ugly, ugly, ugly image uh, coming across on a television. Wasn't that the contempt that we see for the left coast? To, to, the, to the southern states that, you know, that you guys are just a bunch of Neanderthals and you're so stupid and thank God that we liberals are here to show you the right path. I mean, there was so much contempt in her eyes, but not just yeah. for Senator Sessions, but for the whole, for that whole demographic of our country.
2: Well, you know, she lives in a glass house and she does not have moral standing to throw stones at anybody, but... You know, their strategy is to say, you know, we, we think you are uh, basically the captain of a, of a crime syndicate. And it's up to you to prove that you're innocent.
0: So how so important do you the, think it is that, you know, percent. that, you know, we have a couple of really big issues here, like uh, health care reform, like uh, tax reform, like regulatory reform? Well, let's just take the first two, uh, health care and tax. I mean, if the Republicans don't get this through You know, this 2018 cycle is not going to be pretty for them. I mean, they need to get something done here in this Congress.
2: Listen, I I couldn't agree more. And I've made myself somewhat unpopular among some people on the right by saying single payer doesn't scare me one bit. And, you know, something that doesn't scare Jared Kushner and it doesn't scare uh, Donald Trump. Okay, but let's get something done. And and the message for Republicans is, for gosh sakes, pass something and do do it. Do it pretty darn fast.
0: And, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, now that uh, Senator or Attorney General Sessions has done his testimony, he's debunked any of these conspiracy theories, the Russians meddling, any uh, uh, collusion and all of that. You know, they're trying to continue to play it out. But hopefully, you know, this is a dead end. This dead end will occur very quickly and we'll get back to creating policies, policies, real policies to get our people back to work. Frank, thanks for being on the show. You've been a wonderful guest.
2: Well, thank you so much for having me. That was good to cool. talk to you. Take care. Thank
0: you. Coming up, Dr. Rothman and I are going to continue our discussion.
3: Made in America.
0: Welcome to Made in America. I'm your host, Neil Asbury, together with the co-host, Dr. Rich Rothman. Hey, Rich, two headlines uh, really grabbed me this week, and I'd like to get uh, a discussion on on both of these points. Uh, I'll read them first, and then we'll start off with the coal sure. mine uh, headline. But the first one is, first new coal mine of Trump air opens in Pennsylvania. Wow, fascinating. And Rasmussen, 47% of likely voters—now remember, those are likely voters— uh, approve of President Trump's job performance. I mean, that's that's a pretty stunning number. I mean, especially if you're listening to the mainstream media. But let's first go to the uh, to the coal mine. You know, that would have been that is in Western Pennsylvania, uh, Congressman Mike Kelly's yep. Uh, yep. Uh, area of our country, and uh, that was a very very important block for then candidate Trump. He carried Pennsylvania, and, and on election night when Pennsylvania was going to flip Republican, that's really at the moment that this election was heading for a Trump win. I mean, it was just an historic thing to be able to accomplish that. And, and the people who did that form are the people of Western Pennsylvania. I own a factory in Erie, Pennsylvania, a, a, a great city um, on, a, on, on Lake Erie, uh, once a mighty, mighty industrial town in our country. And it's it's been decaying. It's been decaying a, a, a bedrock of unionism in the past a bedrock of the Democratic Party in the
1: past. Those were states Republicans would never win, and, ever uh, win. I'd
0: go to my factory and, and in the locker room, and you look there, and there's Trump signs everywhere, and, and on people's workstations, yeah. it was Trump, 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 Trump. When when Trump came there to speak as candidate Trump, nobody came to work. They were all at the Trump rally. I mean, th- these were people who were true blue Democrat, if they ever were. So now it's, I guess it shouldn't be a uh, a mystery of why now there's the first coal mine in the Trump era to be opened in Western Pennsylvania.
1: Well, you know, the, the, the saying was vote like your life depended on it for the people in the coal mining states. Because the reality of it was your life did depend on it. I mean, Hillary Clinton said, I mean, I can't even believe she went out of her way to say this and once in a while she lost the election. You know, listen, we would put a lot of coal miners out of work. We are going to put a lot of people out of work. The truth of the matter is, this coal mine, the Corsa Coal Mine Company, um, in Somerset County, Pennsylvania, outside of Pittsburgh, is has an immediate seven positions available, really good paying jobs. And, and as the CEO says, look, it's a hard day's work every day, kind of a Beatle moment, it's a very hard day's work, but... It's going to be worth it, and we're going to grow and make this a better economy for our our community and for the United States. This is about making America great again. I think it's spectacular, and that's a promise that's come through in full.
0: Very good, and very good. And and so, therefore, let's go to this uh, next next headline here. Do it. Rasmussen, 47% of likely U.S. voters approve of President Trump's job performance. Well, you would never get that in the mainstream media. I mean, I've not seen— Uh, And and I and I get a collection of all the news stories every day. And, you know, I do like to see what The Washington Post is writing about. I like to see what The New York Times is writing about, Huffington Post and so on. You know, it's 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 ugly. It's it's mean. Um, It's upsetting many times. But, you know, they're just out to get this president. Are they resonating now? Remember, on, on election night, it was a landslide for Hillary and everybody had called the election already. Are they resonating, or is there's this silent majority out there, this 47 percent who approve of, um, of uh, President Trump's uh, job performance? Are they out there? I mean, you just had an experience up in Washington, yeah. D.C. Yeah. that, that yeah. was pretty amazing.
1: Yeah, I think it is amazing. I am, I'm taking my, my, my cab ride from—cab a cab ride, by the way. I didn't use Uber. Cab ride, Uber for the rest of the day. And, and, and from the airport to my meeting, I'm going to an embassy in Washington— and, uh, and the cab driver asked me, you know, he was talking about the, the shooting that was occurring, how awful it was. And then basically he's saying, you know, I don't know. Uh, what do you think about that guy in the White House? I mean, what do you mean by the guy in the White House? He said, well, do you think the president really? I don't think the president really cares about the average American. And I was stunned to hear that because the truth for me is that he's our last gasp president that can really turn this around for the average American. So why is there a disconnect, Neil? Why is it so many people right now, 47 percent, You know, think that they really like the performance of this president. Sixty one percent, according to Rasmussen, think the economy is is much more fair than it's been in a long, long time for everybody in the economy. And that's up from 45 percent just six or seven months ago. Why is it then that a cab driver looks at me and says, hey, what do you think about that guy in the White House? You know, I don't think he really cares about the average guy. He only cares about the rich people. Neil, what do you think of that?
0: Well, I think that that's this cultural war that's going on in our country and raging on right now. And, you know, coming from Washington, D.C., you know, you could imagine the type of media that they're bombarded with. I mean... You know, Washington and its surroundings are bastions of the Democrat Party. It's probably not surprising. You know, think yeah. of what he's hearing in, in, in the people that's living within his community.
1: That verb's important, hearing. But
0: See, you're not hearing that, this, by the way. If you get outside the Beltway and you get out in, 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 in the countryside of Virginia, you're hearing a completely different story.
1: Oh, there's no question. You but go to the large urban areas and, and you know what? You're running to this all the time. Mm-hmm. And, and I got to tell you, Washington, D.C. is a hotbed of this. It's a hotbed of, well, you know, what? about that guy in the White House or anything, but and this is coming from really educated people. So what really worries me is that the messaging that's going out is masking and camouflaging the true message of success that we're getting right now with this White House, with this administration. And this all this kabuki theater, as we discussed earlier in the show. All of this is really a a, a way to just put up a hedge against all this so nobody can see it.
0: Great discussion. Unfortunately, we're going to have to move on. But, Rich, we have Larry Kudlow coming on, the senior contributor to CNBC, host of The Larry Kudlow Show, and author of JFK and the Reagan Revolution. He's going to be on just in a moment to talk about a simple get it done now economic plan for the GOP.
3: Made in America. Sharply higher at the open, stocks continued to perform well over the course of the day Tuesday, and I think that bodes well here over the next couple of years for having bigger demands coming to this country. Now, more of Neil Asbury's Made in America.
0: Very big welcome to you today. I'm Neil Azveri, together with co host Dr. Rich Ruffin. Well, Rich, we've talked about like we got to bring this discussion back to policy. We got to talk about policy, not all of this other circus and these distractions that's going on in our country. We got to get our people back to work. We got to bring our manufacturing jobs back. We got to do all kinds of things. We are very capable of having prosperity in this country like we've never seen before, but we got to get focused. We got to get real focused. And someone who's real focused on that is Larry Kudlow, uh, who's the host of the Larry Kudlow Show. He's uh, he's an author, a very prolific author. His, his book right now is JFK and the Re- Reagan Revolution, doing very, very well. He's a commentator. He's an economist, extraordinary. Uh, Larry, welcome to Made in America.
4: Thank you. Appreciate it.
0: Well your colleague Stephen Moore has been on a show, a really wonderful friend of our show, and uh, we really like to have him on and in a piece that you just published in real Clear markets, a simple get it done now economic plan for GOP uh, you know you talk about having a, a meeting uh, at, the, at the at the white House and, and Stephen being with you and and giving some real real simple s- succinct things that could get this country back on track. And I couldn't agree with you more. And one of those was to lower taxes from 35% to 15%. I'm an American manufacturer. I, I have, most of my uh, factories are here in the United States. I do have one manufacturing company in China that I own 100%, and, and my taxes in China is 15%. I mean, if the communist Chinese can get it right, why can't we get it right, Larry? What's going on here?
4: Well, it's a good question. <laughs> Look, um, Steve and I are pushing this very simple idea called Three Easy Pieces. Uh, It's all about cutting business tax rates for large and small companies, including the pass-throughs, and that would make a gigantic difference, make us competitive, would uh, take us from, I guess, the highest corporate rate to one of the lowest. And we couple that with 100% expensing for the purchase of new equipment, any kind of new investment, and finally, Repatriation of what could be $3 trillion overseas, those are American profits, and they don't want them double taxed once there and once at home and move into a territorial system. So that's our formula for growth. And we are arguing that these three easy pieces would generate above 3% growth. It would probably happen very quickly. Uh, there's a lot of cash out there, and people, investors, Business people, large and small, they don't really they don't want to pull the trigger until they see this tax bill finished. They just won't pull the trigger. I can't blame them. So we came up with the idea, take those three easy pieces and attach them to the health care reform reconciliation bill. It is legal, it is technically correct. No one seems to have thought about it, I guess, until very recently. We have been selling it in the West Wing and on the Hill. And there you have it. You could get the whole thing done um, before the so-called summer recess. But if you don't get it done before the summer recess, uh, we join hands with Mark Meadows of the uh, House uh, Freedom Caucus, and we say, you don't get this done, there's no summer recess vacation. That's really what it is. No vacation. Sorry. You're going to stick around in the sweltering heat in Washington, D.C.
1: until you pass <laughs> the darn thing. Now, that's it's punishment. <laughs> it was warm yesterday <laughs> when I was up there. You know? <laughs> I'm just saying that's the way to do it. You're close
4: to a deal on the health care, which I would have preferred to put tax cuts first before health care, but whatever. Um, you're very close to a health care deal. And um, there's no reason why the three easy pieces, the business tax cut, can't be done rapidly. There's almost unanimous consent and agreement on that. Now, the larger piece, the larger tax reform can wait. I'm all for it, Um, simplification, lower rates. I'm a Steve Forbes uh, flat tax guy. But I don't think you have enough calendar days to get all that done between now and the end of the year. But I do think you could get the three easy pieces plus health care done in one reconciliation bill that only requires, as you know, 51 votes in the Senate. So there you have it.
1: You know, Larry, this is, this is all wonderful, and and, I, and sincerely, when you listen to the Freedom Caucus, you know Jim Jordan is saying they will come back, they will work through the summer yeah. to get yeah. this done. And is that real? I mean, is that just you know a statement? What do they mean this, Larry? Is it is this reality? First, Can they, they do it? They're wonderful yeah. people. Look, i that's terrific. I've offered to share an office with Mark Meadows and,
4: and Jim Jordan. <laughs> just the three of us. We might give an outer room to Dave Bratt if he's a good boy. But um, <laughs> yes, I will, I'm willing to come down there, man. Sweat it out. I'll buy a box of air conditioner. We're going to Well, that's terrific. Summer. You and know, want, you know, Larry, I mean, uh, I, d- I'm really quite serious, and I know Mark is. Uh, let's have come some kind of resolution, you know, in the House, and then see if the senators will bite. we Will embarrass. Well, I, I
1: think that's a terrific idea, and I think the fact that you can provide uh, them air conditioning is wonderful. But you know, listen, the reality of it is, if it wasn't for Larry, I, I really think a major turn for the Trump campaign. It was in the fall when he was running and he was talking, gave a speech in New York at the Economic Club. And, and Larry and Steve Moore g- gave tremendous, tremendous information, tremendous leadership qualities to, to Mr. Trump, at that time, candidate Trump, and how to explain in simplistic terms, wonderful terms, how we can get this economy moving again. Larry, I think that was a major turnaround for the campaign. Well, that's
4: very, very kind of you. We appreciate that. We had been laboring uh, through much of that campaign. It did peak in the New York economics book, Steve. By the way, we had a lot of help. I mean, Stephen Mnuchin was deeply involved now that Treasury Secretary um, uh, Steve Miller, who's... uh, uh, senior uh, counselor, policy development guy. He was deeply involved. A lot of people are deeply involved. Mr. Trump was very involved. I mean, we had a lot of meetings with him to, you know, get sign-offs or how to express this or that. Trump knows taxes very well. knows He understands the whole idea of lower tax rates and incentives to grow. Uh, as did Steve Mnuchin. I mean, Mnuchin has become, really, I call him the apostle of growth wherever he speaks now he talks about 3% growth and i think that's fantastic so we had a lot of help and um we're just now you know we need to put some urgency into this discussion that's really the key point we need to have the president you know out there rallying and probably giving at least one or two oval office uh, addresses to the nation on the benefits of these tax cuts which by the way um Kevin Hassett, who's going into the CA, I mean, Kevin was a guy years ago who wrote a controversial paper that said if you cut uh, uh, corporate tax rates, the biggest beneficiary would be not the rich people, it would be the middle income wage earners. They're the ones who will benefit the most Mm -hmm. from the investment and the productivity that would come with these incentives. And at the time, it was very radical. But since then, the last 10 or 12 years, a lot of academics have written, uh, you know, what they call peer-reviewed papers, and it's become almost the accepted norm. So I believe the arguments are on our side. Now let's get some urgency and get this thing done.
0: Hey, Larry, I mean, you've been a wonderful guest. I mean, we've been talking about this all day, and uh, you've given us some incredible insight. Larry Kudlow, host of The Larry Kudlow Show and author of JFK and the Reagan Revolution. Get a copy of that. It's selling fast. Larry, thanks for being on the show.
4: My pleasure. Take care.
0: Coming up, Dr. Rafa and I are going to have a discussion with Ryan Bourne from the Cato Institute on his piece, Would More Government Infrastructure Spending Boost the U.S. Economy? Let's have a discussion about that, a very, very important topic.
3: Made in America.
0: Welcome to Made in America. I'm your host, Neil Asbury, together with co-host Dr. Rich And Rich, it's always good to talk to Larry Kudlow. You know, he's got a, uh, a sort of uh, a, a great personality for for television and for radio. But besides that, he's an incredibly brilliant man, you know, and he's, he definitely uh, has got the knowledge uh, to go with his personality as a wonderful, wonderful broadcaster.
1: Well, it also appears that if you need a room with the Hey Adams, he's the guy to call because <laughs> oh, yeah. he's connected to everyone.
0: <laughs> he, he certainly is. He certainly is. But right now we have Ryan Bordon from the Cato Institute. We're going to talk about government spending on infrastructure. Ryan, welcome to Made in America.
5: Good to be with you. Hi.
0: So uh, you just published a piece. Uh, it was published on the uh, website. We, our, our listeners can see it at the uh, Cato Institute website. It's a, it's, an, it's a piece that you wrote. Would more government infrastructure spending boost U.S. economy? So, you know, we talk a lot about policy here and we talk about taxes and we talk about healthcare reform, talk about energy policy, education. So, so, so many things need to be improved upon in this country. As someone who travels around the world a lot, you know, I get envious of, of infrastructure in other countries. And I'm saying, wait a second, you know, we're the economic superpower. We should be having these things here. And, you know, and much of our infrastructure is in need of, of repair and, and very quickly. So... Would more government infrastructure spending boost the U.S. economy?
5: Well, there's no doubt. I think economists are agreed that um, good infrastructure in and of itself can improve the growth potential of the economy, leads to higher living standards, and obviously uh, makes it easier for users if you have decent infrastructure. The real question is whether more government spending on infrastructure is the way to go to improve infrastructure and to get that extra mobility for the economy. Um, And you tend to hear two main arguments for why, Uh, government should spend more on infrastructure on the one hand you get that kind of what I call the demand side argument this idea that um, more spending on infrastructure will boost the economy create all these high paying jobs and almost act like a fiscal stimulus well you know what the way that the US economy is at the moment um, I know there's still still big problems in terms of participation rates and things but actually with the unemployment rate as low as it is uh, today and the construction unemployment rate as low as it is actually just spending more government money is just gonna crowd out private sector activity it's just gonna take construction workers from market sector jobs to public sector jobs
1: well you know when when infrastructure is worked and, and invested in we do create jobs and we do turn the economy around in many areas I mean if you think for a second you know, look at the, the, um, the, uh, the public-private that, that occurred years ago in southern Manhattan. Uh, that was the World Trade Center project that Guy Tizoni envisioned a long time ago, back in the late 60s, early 70s. That was a major infrastructure development. They took the entire downtown Manhattan, lower Manhattan, and invested and redeveloped and created tons of jobs and reinvigorated the, the economy for, for uh, south Manhattan. Uh, major, major push
0: and and rich i think you hit on it i mean the, 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 the private public partnerships. I I, I think P3s. that's the answer. Ryan, what do you think about that? I mean, I think that the private economy is willing to put up a tremendous amount of money. And let me tell you, there's toll roads going all over the place, and there's a lot of people using them. You know, if it's going to provide a convenience, people are willing to pay for it. So, I mean, you don't have to use them if you don't want to. And, and I know a lot of people on the left are saying, now, you know, you know these these nasty capitalists are turning over our roads and bridges and everything to these people who just want to uh, uh, suck blood out of the American people. But that's not it at all. You know I mean? Why should the American taxpayer have to fund everything? The private economy is, w- is ready and willing to step up.
5: I'd agree with that. And what I've been heartened by, by Donald Trump's agenda, uh, if you remember back during the campaign, it sounded as if he wanted to spend an extra trillion dollars on infrastructure over a decade. He's now toned that down somewhat to about $200 billion. And what he's looking to do or at least what he says he's looking to do, is to actually find ways of harnessing in more private investment, whether that be lowering regulations to encourage, you know, reduce the uncertainty of projects and get more money invested in the first place, or actually put in some seed funding to then bring in private sector investment. And look, if you look around the world, Canada, Australia... Um, early instances in the UK a a couple of decades ago, those public-private partnerships where you have user fees, where you have things like tolls, seem to work really, really well. They deliver infrastructure on time, on budget and actually because the users are paying for the infrastructure, um, maintenance uh, is, is usually very, very well linked with demand. Well, you have to be a bit careful on the public-private partnerships. And where I think sometimes the Liberals might have a point is if the source of the funds for the private company is coming purely from the taxpayer rather than user fees. We had some experience where I'm at the moment in the UK of building lots of hospitals and lots of schools um, using public-private partnerships, and the downside was as bad as government is actually building its own infrastructure, it can be as bad in terms of negotiating contracts for the design of its own infrastructure. So yes, let's move to user fees as much as possible. Let's let's get the toll roads done. Let's get more private investment, but just be wary that public-private partnerships aren't the answer to, to all infrastructure needs.
0: Well, Ryan, uh, thanks for uh, being a wonderful guest. I mean, you, you've you've written a wonderful piece. You've come from an incredible organization and i know you're a a, a great friend of our country and you're out there advocating for the things that we need to get done here we really appreciate that coming up dr Rothman and i are going to have some final thoughts for the day
3: made in america
0: Welcome to Made in America. I'm your host, Neil Asbury, together with co-host Dr. Rich Roth. And, Rich, you got all jazzed up about I'm jazzed. infrastructure.
1: No, I am jazzed. So I'm
0: going to bring out another headline, another headline this week. Trump's big infrastructure plan. It's a trap! Mm-hmm. Or says Ronald Klein, assistant to President Obama, former assistant to former President Obama. Uh, he oversaw uh, this, this stimulus plan. I mean, a, a crazy... Is there one thing that you could see in our country today that's a result of that trillion dollars is there anything out there can you point to anything did we get anything from that
1: yes we got the the heads of some of the unions got some really good vacation time out of that they the money listen we know the money a lot of that money went to general motors and went to it was stimulating too big to fail for certain uh, banks it was too big to fail for general motors and in uh, in uh, uh, well everyone but ford in in detroit and and but other than that, Neil, I don't know. I mean, what, Nothing. I can't I think of anything. You know, didn't they want? Didn't they actually say? Well, I guess the shovel-ready jobs weren't quite shovel-ready. But that was the big discussion,
0: Rich. It Was all about shovel-ready jobs and infrastructure. We're going to spend this money on infrastructure, and we didn't spend anything, or at least I can't see anything. There wasn't any anything to spend it on. There was
1: Look, the American <laughs> it, people it got no nothing claims. for that money. They got that's nothing. what they got. Got so got.
0: so. Is it fair for Mister. Clay? to say that this is a trap. I mean, what, how, how, would he, how would he describe the trillion dollars that his former boss spent?
1: Well, you know, but he didn't do that. You see, if he did that, then it would take the debate back to the past and what they did. What he's doing instead is saying, well, wait a minute, Hillary Clinton had a better idea. Trump doesn't just get it. This is all part of the, the messaging that's going out there right now to, you know, de- demythify the, you know, the Trump scenario and turn him into a, what they did to Palin. You know, here they had a governor in, in Alaska a number of years ago had an, an a high eighty percent acceptable rate, you know, approval rate in the in the state of Alaska, and 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 by using humor and Sololinsky methods, they absolutely you know neutered this person, in in made people think she wasn't an intelligent person. Look, Trump's he, they're saying. You know, you know, Trump's plan is 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 really not an infrastructure plan. It's a tax cut plan for the utility industry and construction sector uh, sector investors and massive corporate welfare for contractors. It's not going to create jobs. It's not going to accomplish anything. It, it it subsidizes investors, not projects. And because it funds tax breaks for not bridges, because there's no requirement that the projects be. I mean, this is like the most doomsday article I have ever seen. Cats and dogs sleeping together on the street. This is just. Right out of you know Ghostbusters, and 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 I find it well. First of all, Neil, it's in the Washington Post. That's got to be a good prefatory comment. <laughs> hey, I was heard in the Washington Post, and that's when half this country says, "Right, sure, <laughs> um, that's really going to happen, isn't it?" Okay, I understand. <laughs> and listen, stay tuned because we're going to have an interview with George Washington any minute now. He's coming here. He's going to be here. And and uh, and he, and you know what? He really likes his monument. Just saying. So you know. So, so you know, I, I find this amazing. Let's go back to what Trump is saying with his infrastructure plan. What's wrong with looking at infrastructure development, Neil, and, and saying, you know what? Let's do it differently. Let's try and have something that doesn't affect the budget as much as in all the other stimulus plans that we've done in this country. Let's get the private sector involved. What's wrong with that?
0: Well, that's what should happen. Like we just spoke in the last segment is that there is... Uh, billions of dollars in the private economy that would go to work right now for America to produce all these wonderful things so the American taxpayer, you know, did not have to take it out of their kids' futures. Because honestly, that's what they're doing. If if, if it's just going to be tax, 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 one day that rooster is going to come home to roost. And it's going to be ugly, and that's what's happening in our country. We shouldn't be doing it. There's plenty of money out there to get this done, and it doesn't have to come from the American taxpayer. That is the headline. So, Rich, you know, we got all of this private money out there who wants to go to work. Why cannot we put that money to work for the American people? Why? Okay, so you know, you're gonna you're gonna charge a toll. Why not? You know, I mean, it, 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 we're down in South Florida. South Florida, they're building toll roads all over the place right now. You know, expressways. You know, it's wonderful. They can't build them fast enough as, as as far as I'm concerned. And by the way, they're being used and they're being used by all kinds of people. People don't want to get to the airport and not miss their airplane. That's great. There's a toll you know road know there. I gotta you tell know, you that's something. wonderful.
1: Washington DC is a great example of that. Because at starting at three thirty, four o'clock in the afternoon, they need more roads and there's something wrong there. Because you can't you can see the airport but you can't get there. It is so bad.
0: Right. You know, so why not build a toll road? And, you know, some of these things are really cool because, hey, there's no space to put a toll road. Well, they make an elevated highway. I mean, there's all kinds of solutions. It's going to take people to design that and engineer that. It's going to take people to construct that. I mean, it's, it's a long-term process, but the people that will be put to work and the jobs that will be created will be absolutely enormous. It could be funded by the private economy, and everybody will benefit one way or another. And on that note, we're out of time but we're going to be back again next week for another adventure of Made in America where we never stop fighting for your jobs.